Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. We are your hosts, Josefa Kapadia and Jasper Rivers. Get paid for your pad. 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 Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. And today I am joined by Glenn Carter, and he is the founder of the Casual Capitalist, which is a website all about the sharing economy. So I'm very excited to talk to Glenn today because I'm a big fan of the sharing economy. So Glenn, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot for having me. I'm really happy to be here. I'm a big fan of the show. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. And I know it's five in the morning where you are (laughs) in Canada. And so I really appreciate you five. getting up that early for us. Yeah, five in the morning and minus uh, 30. So I'm in, uh, I got two sweaters on. <laughs> All right, well, I recommend <laughs> you stay inside today. <laughs> so how's it going uh, back in uh, Canada? It's going great. It's, uh, we're just in the thick of winter, but uh, yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm in Ottawa right now, but uh, I'm uh, typically in uh, Montreal. That's where my job is. Um, but yeah, no, things are good here, man. Okay, cool. You're in Ottawa. Is that uh, the town where they have the Tulip Festival in May every year? Yes. Yes, they do, which has a unique connection to uh, your home country. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think we still sending you guys like 20,000 tulips every year. Is that true? Yes. Yeah. It, it's beautiful here too. And uh, people come from all over the world to check it out. So uh, have you have you ever been to Ottawa? I have not. Well, I, I suggest coming in the summer if you do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, uh, yeah. I decided a while back that I wasn't going to do winters anymore unless I have a pair of skis under, underneath my shoes. That, that's a really good rule to live by. <laughs> So, uh, Glenn, uh, tell us about you and tell us about your Airbnb experience. Yeah, well, uh, briefly just about me. I'm a, I'm a writer and Airbnb host uh, based in Montreal. That's, that's where my full-time job is, but uh, I live in the Ottawa area with, uh, with my family. Um, I got my start uh, in the sharing economy on Airbnb. That's really my specialty. Um, before that, I was and still am a real estate investor, so that's really where my passion is. Um, I got my start in 2013 on Airbnb with a property we own uh, in Florida. Uh, we bought it down there uh, with the direct purpose of uh, renting it out on Airbnb. So this was a, a big experiment f- uh, for us. Um, and since we've added a few properties in uh, in Montreal uh, to the to the Airbnb uh, repertoire. So um, that's how I got started in the sharing economy, specifically on uh, Airbnb. And since then, I've branched out to other other platforms uh, and uh, trying to help teach others about the income potential. Awesome. So I think this is going to be a really interesting topic. Getting an Airbnb property for the purpose of renting it out an Airbnb. So I get a lot of questions and this is one of the main questions that people ask these days. 
know, as more and more people are getting aware of the fact that Airbnb is an amazing investment opportunity, especially in this environment that we are in right now, where interest rates are at zero, stock market is at all-time highs. Well, it's crashed a little bit over the last week weeks, but still, it's it's very high. So it's really hard to find a good investment with a good return on investment. So, you know, buying a house and, and putting it on Airbnb, I think, is one of the best investment opportunities that exist right now. And so a lot of people are are seeing that as well. So people are asking me, well, how how do you go about you know, investing in a property with the purpose of renting it out on Airbnb? Like, what's a good area? And what type of house should you get? What type of audience should we target? You know, what type of furnishings should we get? Like all those type of questions. So these are exactly the questions that I'm going to ask you today, Glenn, and then hopefully we can all learn from your experience. So let's start yeah. let's start with well, how did you come up with the idea to buy a property and put it on Airbnb in the first place? Well, I'd heard about Airbnb from a friend and uh got to know it really as a user and uh, because I was a property investor uh, it seemed like a natural fit to start trying the Airbnb uh, hosting um, and uh, yeah I totally agree with you that uh, buying for the purposes of renting on Airbnb is a, is a great idea and I have some numbers here I can talk about uh, but it, it just depends on your market like you know the the type of property and who your audience is I mean there's a market out there for for uh, for everyone and I'm sure you can relate to this but you know I've seen everything on Airbnb it's not just you know the condos or or single-family homes like there's there's something out there for everyone so it really depends on where you are um, and and uh, what type of property you have but uh, in in 2013 uh, we decided to we, we decided to start our, our great Airbnb experiment with the purchase of a bungalow just outside of Orlando it's a few miles from Disney so our audience was really the the tourists, um, and uh, like I mentioned, we bought solely for the purposes of renting it on Airbnb. Um, we had no kind of we had no idea what kind of reception we would get, um, how much we would make, or whether you know we had just made a terrible decision. Um, in retrospect, we probably should have done a bit more uh, research, but uh, uh, it has a happy ending. Um, after we bought, we immediately listed it on Airbnb. We got the uh, professional photos taken, wrote up our description, and uh, listed it. And within a few weeks, we had uh, about we were about eighty percent booked uh, for the next few months, and we were just astounded. Um, every every day, we had multiple uh, uh, Airbnb uh, requests um, in the first couple of weeks. So yeah, we were extremely happy. Um, in this area, we would normally get um, it's just an area like a few miles from from Disney. It's called Davenport. Um, and uh, we would normally get about a thousand, maybe twelve hundred, if we're lucky, a month for for a long-term renter. Um, and we were clearing and have been clearing easily two thousand a month, if not more, uh, with this property in, in Orlando. That's awesome. So let's go back a little bit. And you're saying you bought a property near Disneyland in Orlando. So that's a few thousand miles away from your home. So what was the reason that you bought it there? Well, I have uh, I have a couple young kids, so we're sort of thinking ahead, uh, family trips down the road. But uh, there's the calculations of buying the the one in Florida are are multiple, and um, the the housing market in Canada can be relatively expensive uh, compared to the U.S. You know, they they had the housing housing crash there 
in uh, 2008, and a lot of the areas uh, still haven't fully recovered uh, from that. And the area we bought is one of them. Um, so we wanted to go in and buy cheap. Um, so we found this area where um, the price has has started to increase uh, since the crash, but it hadn't hadn't got back nearly close to back up to its highs. So we wanted to sort of get in, you know, uh, in the middle of the road there. Um, uh, so we wanted to pick a market that really um, offered us uh, a good ROI. So that's why that's why we picked that area. And you're absolutely right; it was you know that's very very far from us. Uh, we've been down there a couple times though, um, but with distance comes other issues that we've had with this property. Uh, none of which are the negative issues we've had with, with this property. None of which are related to Airbnb. It's uh, strictly what you said. It's managing from a distance and uh, and property management companies. Awesome, Noel. Let's talk about that a little bit later. But first, I want to get a really good idea of how this worked out for you. First of all, did you buy the property with your own money or did you get a mortgage for it? Uh, we got a mortgage for it. Uh, that was an interesting experience. We, uh, we, we tried with a U.S. lender first. Um, we had the 20% down. That wasn't an issue. Um, but because we were foreign buyers, uh, all the U.S. lenders we spoke to said that our credit rating in Canada was useless to them. Um, one of them said, you know, you can be from Canada or Siberia. It doesn't matter to us. Uh, we can't use your your home country's credit rating, which I understand. I mean, they, I mean, maybe not for Canada because we have very similar rules to the U.S., but um, they don't know what kind of calculation goes into uh, credit ratings. So um, we got the... the uh, they gave us the opportunity to get a mortgage with 9%. Um, so clearly that wasn't going to work out very well. So that was a bit of a headache up front. But we, there's quite a few Canadian banks who have U.S. Subsidi subsidiaries. So we ended up going through one of those and got uh, a much better rate. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that's what we ended up going with. Are you comfortable sharing the actual numbers? Because I'm, I'm really curious and I'm sure some of the listeners are, listeners are as well. Yeah, absolutely. We um, we we bought the house for 170 uh, uh, US, um, and we put 20% down. So our mortgage with property taxes and insurance is about 900 US dollars a month, and in Canadian dollars that fluctuates because obviously uh, uh, we have a different currency up here. Um, and right now it's quite low. Um, I think it's we're about seventy cents to one U.S. dollar, whereas when we purchased, we were about ninety cents. So um, it was if we sold now, we'd get that bump from the currency. Um, so that's another thing that, uh, that that we needed to consider because if we ever need to put money into the place, which we we do, we you know we had to buy a new dishwasher. Um, you know, all our expenses are in U.S. dollars. Um, so if we need to put money in, then uh, we're we're paying a premium. Um, but the, the upside to that as well is that all our incomes in, uh, in us dollars. So, you know, the, the 2000 plus we're making a month on Airbnb, um, is if we converted that to Canadian, it would be more like, you know, 2,500, 3000. Mm -hmm. Did you, did you also invest any money in like a refurbishing the, the apartment or buying furniture, et cetera? 
No, because it's near Disney, you have a lot of foreign owners uh, there. Like we bought from a, a British couple. So typically when you buy near Disney uh, a vacation property, um, they're always all, all furnished because they're all people who live away and they don't want the hassle of having to put everything in storage or shipping it back. And, and typically the furniture was only bought for the purposes of, of furnishing uh, there, uh, either for rental or for a vacation property. So, um, yeah, we didn't, we didn't have many expenses that way. Okay, that's great. So you basically put down 20% of one seventy, which is about $35,000. That's your investment. Yeah. And you're making about $24,000 a year, which is 2000 a month. And your mortgage yeah. is 900 a month, which would be about 11,000 a year. And that includes property taxes, right? So Yes. So that's the that's probably the bulk of your costs. Do you have any yeah, do you have um, any, do you have any other costs in in like running your Airbnb listing? Yeah, so because we're managing from a distance, we have a property management company, so there's a lot of fees associated with that, um, you know, a monthly fee for mowing the lawn, a monthly fee like we have an in-ground pool in the backyard, so a monthly fee for uh, maintaining that pool. Um, they come in and they clean every time uh, someone leaves. They'll do an inspection before uh, someone arrives and they'll be on call when someone's here. So there are there are some fees associated with that. I think the monthly management fee is $150, which is a base fee just to have the company and then um, you know things like the pool are fifty bucks a month. Uh, you know the the pest control is fifty bucks a month. Um, things like that. So that does tend to add up. Um, and then any issues with the property, the 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 management company will come in and fix. Mm -hmm. uh, they'll pay our bills, like our gas bill, our water bill, our TV bill, and then uh, and then just uh, charge us for it. So I mean, it's it's a good model because they they bring everything together and centralize all of your all of your uh, expenses and income. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, but yeah, there, it, it depends. It all depends on how good your, your property management company is and how diligent they are. And unfortunately for us, ours, the one we picked was, was just absolutely terrible. And do you have a new one now? We're, we're in the process of getting a new one. Um, so yeah, we're, we're working with another one now to try and transfer, uh, all the, uh, all of the paperwork over to them. Right. So how do you manage a remote Airbnb property is another really interesting topic to talk about. Now I did talk about that with Amy in the last episode, last week's episode a lot. <laughs> so I don't want to go too deep into that, but would, going back to sort of the, you know, sort of the picture of like all the numbers and stuff. So would it be, would it be fair to say your, your costs are about like $15,000 a year? As a ballpark yeah, figure, yeah, yeah, give or take, yep. All right, so so that gets us about nine thousand dollars of net profit on an investment of thirty five thousand dollars, which is about twenty five percent ROI, which seems like yeah, a so lot. It, yeah, it was yeah. In in retrospect, we definitely made a good decision. Um, it's just that there have been headaches with the with the management company, and sometimes it feels like we're managing the management company. And I mean, like I said, eighty percent of our of our bookings are through Airbnb. Another fifteen, I would say, are through other short term rental 
uh, property sites like VRBO and Home Away, and I would even say less than five are from them. Um, you know, they they sell themselves as you know advertising and marketing your property for you, and this is across the board with uh, with management companies. But they really haven't come into the 21st century. You know, the 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 one that we have doesn't didn't even know what Airbnb was, and which which floored me because you know if you're in the property management short term vacation property management business. Um, that, that should be something you're intimately familiar with. But, uh, so yeah, one of the challenges has been bookings have all come from us, um, which is, which, you know, which is fine. Um, I'm happy that, uh, we're getting bookings, but, uh, you know, with the management companies, they, they, who advertise that they're going to market for you and fill up your home for you. Um, yeah, they're not really, not really doing that. And this is across the board. I've talked to many people who own down in this area and, I don't know if it's just the area or property management companies generally, but uh, no one's really had a, a great experience with uh, with property management companies down down in that area. It's easy to say that you're going to fill up somebody's house, but you know, to be honest with you, I don't really see why you would need a property management company because you know you can get plenty of bookings through Airbnb, and if Airbnb is not enough, then you you know you can add some of the other sites. So, and it's funny because, you know, I was talking to Amy last week and she had the same experience. She had a similar experience where she wasn't very happy with the property management company and she ended up just finding some people to work with herself. And that's how I manage my apartment as well in Amsterdam. I had never actually thought about using a property management company now i know there's also a bunch of they call themselves short stay management companies and i think some of those could be good because they focus on either airbnb or they focus on short-term rentals so you know it's obviously it depends on which one you get i've heard uh, mixed uh, stories but i think finding a person on the ground who you can trust (laughs) and you know, who sort of looks after your place because it's really not that much work. You know, if, if you get in all, if you get all the bookings through Airbnb and you manage that yourself, then all the person needs to do is do the check-in and make sure the house is, is, you know, in an okay state. Like if, you know, if something breaks, it needs to be fixed, stuff like that. But it's not, uh, it's not that much work. I don't think, you know, so, um, yeah, but it's the problem yeah, no. is if you if you find a place far away from home, you don't know anybody there. Then you sort of then your options are sort of limited, right? You you kind of have to go with some sort of professional service. Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's what we found ourselves uh, uh, with uh, when we purchased down there. Now, one thing I will say is that when you know once we started traveling down there and got to know people, uh, certainly. Um, that's that's actually what we're doing now. We found someone locally who's not really a property management company, but they do look after a few a few homes in the area. So they're not uh, you know they're not going to have that huge overhead that a, a typical property management company would. But yeah, if anyone's uh, planning on doing this, uh, uh, you know, managing from a distance or buying for the purposes of solely for Airbnb, yeah, definitely spend if it's not your hometown. Um, or a place you're familiar with, spend a lot of time there, get to know the people who live around you, ask them a lot of questions, and find someone on the ground you can trust because you're absolutely right. You don't need um, uh, 
a property and management company. You just need a couple moving person, parts there. You, you know, you need you cleaners. Need the who owns the place, um, you or need at least somebody if, on if the it's a condo, it's easier. But if you like manages the place, it's a bungalow. But sometimes um, so you need, stay uh, in an Airbnb where you know, someone to come and look you know, after you're the pool, being but that's just a matter managed of by a company, and, and there's a big difference. Just the company, they're just worried about the money, right? They're just worried about making as much money as possible. Fair enough. But I think why people choose Airbnb is just because they want to have a different experience. You know, they want to have that local knowledge. They want to meet somebody who's from the area who can give them personal tips. They want to feel like they, they are staying with somebody or in somebody's house and not just an apartment that's being rented out through some management company. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, uh, for us, the challenge was, is, uh, you know, we'd have guests staying there from Airbnb and they'd need something locally and they would call us up and say, the management company's not answering their phone, you know, what do we do? So I think, yeah, absolutely. If there's a, you almost need an Airbnb ambassador on, on the ground in different locations um, that, that you can hire, who can be sort of your local rep for you. Um, specifically for, for Airbnb listings, I wish, I wish a service like that existed. <laughs> Well, somebody might start it. Uh, you'd be surprised how many different startups there are that that sort of surface uh, to the uh, Airbnb community, where it's whether it's the host or the guests. But there's like tons of startups all over the place. So I wouldn't be surprised if somebody starts uh, a company providing those services as well. Well, if they do, make sure you give me a call. I want to cut. <laughs> I will. Don't worry. <laughs> sharing, sharing, sharing is caring. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So, just to summarize this whole experiment, um, you you bought a property near Disneyland, which I think is a is a smart move, right? Because you have a very clear idea of who your target audience could be like, and so you can you can choose the property according to that. Um, your so your investment, your ROI is 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 pretty good. It's been very successful. Um, but you've had a, a number of issues with the remote management because you dealt with a property management firm who weren't really doing a good job. And right now you switched to having some people on the ground that you manage yourself. That's kind of the story. And so one more question about this topic that I have is when you bought a house, did you think about what type of house would be best suited to your audience? Did you think about, okay, you know, do we get a one bedroom or do we get a two bedroom, right? Do we get a condo or do we get a house? Do we get one with a pool? How, how did that thought process take place? Yeah, absolutely. We thought about that. And uh, I think that's, you know, one of your, if you're going to go down this road and, and just real estate investment in, in general, that, that has to be one of your first questions. Who, who's my target audience? Um, for us, it was, uh, you know, vacationers, um, from all over the world. Um, we've had people from every country almost. Um, so our idea was to, and typically with Disney, you know, you either have, you have one of two, two types of families. You have people who want to stay right on Disney, like right in the actual park or people who want to stay, uh, you know, close, but not pay the premium to be in the park. So, you know, we were really catering to the people who, who want to stay close but not pay the premium being in the park. So we bought a bungalow 
um, with essentially two master bedrooms, so it can accommodate two full families, uh, you know, can accommodate up to 10 people. So, uh, you know, there's a little in-ground pool in, in the backyard uh, that's nice and covered. And uh, so you have your own privacy, so you can, we're, you know, we're really putting ourselves in the minds of, you know, parents going to Disney um, who want, you know, their own kitchen, a place to, a quiet place to go back to, you know, we're in a quiet golf community. Um, and, you know, they can take a couple of days to relax just by the pool at the house. Um, so, yeah, we absolutely uh, had that in mind when we were buying. And really, we, the only reason we bought the, that property type, the bungalow and the location it is and the amount of rooms was because we knew exactly who our audience would be. And we've had amazing feedback. Uh, we couldn't have made a better decision on the house itself. Yeah, sounds like you got a really good deal because I'm thinking... It accommodates 10 people. It has two master bedrooms. It has a pool. It has a garden. And you paid $170,000. Yeah. Sounds like a yeah. Steal. Well, yeah. And like I said before, it's, it's in one of those communities that's sort of climbing back from, from, uh, from the 2008 crash. Um, so we sort of caught it, you know, on the, on the way up. And, uh, and actually, I was reading an article the other day that one of the top U.S. markets for for property uh, price increases in 2015 was Orlando. So it's really, I mean, Orlando. That's a whole nother discussion. Um, that was sort of a side benefit, but Orlando is actually one of the biggest growing uh, uh, cities in the U.S. And in fact, I think last year was the first year that Orlando International uh, Airport surpassed the amount of incoming travelers than uh, JFK. Um, and they're they're putting in uh, multi million dollar expansions to the airport and. They're building uh, a whole bunch of uh, of, of, uh, of commercial projects around there, so that 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 went into our whole calculus as well. The, the expansion of Orlando. Awesome. Well, uh, good for you, man. Uh, sounds like you did a good job. So now Thank let's uh, let's switch to your website and the other sharing economy platforms that are out there. So first, tell us a little bit about the Casual Capitalist. Yeah, um, well, I love I loved Airbnb, the concept of Airbnb and the sharing economy more generally uh, so much that uh, I started the casualcapitalist.com uh, in August uh, of, of this past year in 2015 because I really wanted to help others do what I did, uh, which is make money in the sharing economy, but not specifically uh, solely with Airbnb um, um, to explain and articulate the the benefits of, of pla uh, other platforms out there, and there are hundreds. Um, so overall, um, you know, at the Casual Capitalist, our goal is to give people actionable, actionable strategies to increase their financial well-being, but we're focusing right now solely on the sharing economy. Um, so, um, you know, I, I, I was really tired of hearing, you know, things like quit the rat race and break the cubicle chains and all of these kind of statements. Um, and I wanted to help teach people how they can make side income while not, you know, you don't have to quit your, your, your nine to five job. I actually love my job. It's super interesting. I get to meet great people and I get a decent paycheck. So I found that, you know, pursuing, you know, your entrepreneurial passions and having a career aren't mutually exclusive, um, at least in the beginning. Um, so that's why I started the casual capitalist. So I really strive to teach people to be flexible uh, and use the sharing economy, um, uh, to make money and, and flexibility, you know, the sharing economy is certainly an embodiment of, of flexibility. Um, and uh, yeah, just one final point on the casual capitalists. Um, 
so far we've written two uh, two books on the sharing economy that detail about you know a hundred sharing economy platforms that can be used to to make money um, and we blog about specific platforms and strategies uh, and really just try to provide a much as much value to to sharing economy workers as possible awesome and I've had a look at your site I found a lot of platforms that I had never heard of and I know there's so many, right? There's hundreds and hundreds if not thousands of sharing economy platforms. And it's just crazy to think that Airbnb has a brand recognition of less than 1% worldwide, <laughs> which, which is crazy, right? Because you know, I know all my friends know about Airbnb, but it's a very specific group of people that know about Airbnb, right? It's the people who travel and you know, it's a small minority of the of the worldwide population, so I was just shocked when I heard this this less than one percent brand recognition. But but think about all the other platforms because Airbnb obviously is one of the biggest. So if Airbnb still has that small of a brand recognition, then you know how many people know about all those other platforms, right? Probably not a lot. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's it's a great niche to be in for, for you. Uh, I think, you know, the sharing economy, I'm pretty sure it's going to grow a lot in the next, <laughs> you know, say five to 10 years and we'll, we'll see how far it gets. But, um, yeah. but in any case, uh, there's not a lot of people uh, who run blogs and websites relating to the sharing economy. So uh, I think you picked a, a great topic, but, you know, let's talk about some of the other platforms that could be useful for Airbnb hosts. Because if you're an Airbnb host, then you know, you're probably into sharing. And you might be interested to have a look at some of the other platforms that are out there as well. So what do you think are the most useful platforms for Airbnb hosts? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And just to go back on your earlier point about uh, the, the growth in the sharing economy, uh, I'm I'm not sure if you saw the study by PricewaterCoopers, but they estimated that by 2025, the uh, the sharing economy industry in general will be worth uh, 330 billion dollars. And uh, in 2013, their same number, um, or not their same number, but the the value of the sharing economy uh, they had estimated at 13 billion. So you can imagine that growth over 10 years uh, that we're seeing now. Um, and yeah, certainly there are thousands of platforms. Uh, out there, um, but so so and some of those platforms, um, a lot of them that we write about in the book would be absolutely useful to uh, to uh, to Airbnb hosts. There's so many options uh, and really not enough time to get into detail, but um, I can get into a few here. Like um, the first one that came to mind was uh, uh, parking space platforms, uh, the big ones uh, called Just Park. Um, if you live in a tourist area, which is very likely since you're already listing on Airbnb, you can check out one of the parking platforms uh, to monetize extra parking space. And Just Park isn't the only one. There's there's about five or six others out there, depending on um, where in the world you are. But Just Park is the biggest one uh, that we like. Um, another option is you can combine your Airbnb hosting uh, with being a tour guide. Um, there's a platform out there called Viable, which allows you to, to post um, what they call uh, experiences, which are essentially tours, um, and people can register for your tour, uh, and you can you can essentially get paid for that. So if you live in, in a, a touristy area that has uh, museums or tourist sites, you can not only host people at your at your uh, at your property, 
but you can act as a tour guide as well on uh, on on viable and there's there's many others that are similar to that um, if you're another one that I like uh, well a lot of people in the in the community tell me about is that they they combine their Airbnb hosting with uh, being a cook um, if you're an amateur professional cook you can also host meals um, and dining experiences at your place um, not just uh, guests with Airbnb. Um, with platforms like Feastly or Eat With, um, there's others out there called Bon Appetit and Viz Eat. Um, you can host people at your home and cook for them, provide them with uh, you know, an interesting you know, social dining experience, and uh, and uh, make money um, make money doing that. Um, one of our um, one of our community members, uh, his name's Sammy, and he's he's from New York City. <clears throat> He's never taken a cooking class, um, but he considers himself an amateur chef. He likes to cook. Um, he wants to open up his own restaurant uh, in New York City, but as you can imagine, it's pretty competitive and expensive. So instead, he decided to open up his home, own home restaurant um, through uh, through the websites Feastly and Eat With. Um, so for a five-course meal, Sammy charges 55 bucks per person, um, and he can accommodate, uh, I think, up to eight people. Um, and he, he provides the wine and beer for dinner, um, and, which makes you know fifty five bucks for um, a meal in New York City is is a pretty good dining experience. That's a steal. Um, that's yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so and and talking with Sammy, he gets more requests for meals uh, than he can accommodate. Um, on average, he hosts one meal per week, which gives him uh, an income of uh, four hundred and change a week, um, or close to two thousand bucks a month, uh, seventeen hundred bucks a month, I think. Um, so after groceries, uh, Sammy says that he, he clears about a thousand bucks a month, and that's only for four evenings of work uh, a month. And he gets to he gets to be social, and uh, and leftovers are always good as well. So uh, yeah, I hear a lot of people who are combining the the, the cooking with uh, with the Airbnb hosting as well. <clears throat> there's also uh, there's uh, sharing economy platforms for pet lovers uh, that can also be applicable to to Airbnb hosts. Um, if your home is pet friendly, um, you can make money by hosting, uh, by babysitting dogs or walking dogs. There's platforms out there such as DogVacay and Rover.com, um, which once you're accepted into their platform, you can you can essentially be uh, be a hotel for for cats uh, or dogs when other people go on vacation. Um, there's another I forgot to mention another travel platform similar to Viable um, but different. It's called Guider. Um, but allows you to create tours for tourists, uh, but with an app, so you don't physically go out and do the tour with them. But you can create a little app um, within the Guider app. Um, uh, it's as a as a self guided tour um, that you develop um, that people can purchase. <clears throat> one last one I will mention, and there are many others, but um, a lot of people. And this one isn't as popular now, but I see it becoming popular in 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 the near future. Um, with limited space and increased urbanization, but another one Airbnb hosts can explore is uh, spare storage space. Um, <clears throat> the platform in the U.S. is called Roost. Um, there's one called Stormates in the U.K. and Spacer in Australia. These are all different platforms, but essentially um, they help you monetize spare space in your home, such as a basement, garage, or attic uh, that people can use as storage space uh, for, for a fee. So yeah, yes, but there's a lot of options out there, um, as you can see. That's awesome, man. 
That's really awesome. And I, mm-hmm. I love that story about Sammy because essentially what you're doing is <clears throat> if you're passionate about cooking, you're doing something that you love, you're meeting people every week, and you're making an extra side income. So that's really like a, a win-win-win situation, which I think is really awesome. Yeah, and, and it allows, I mean, if you're passionate about something like cooking, it allows you to, it's sort of like a hybrid restaurant approach. Um, so yeah, well, that, those, the cooking platforms are ones we absolutely love on the website, and we, we blog about them quite a bit. So you could be an Airbnb host who offers meals <clears throat> to the guests, and in addition, creates a profile on a meal sharing platform, cooking for some some extra people, since you're cooking anyway, you may as well cook for a few more people and make a little bit of extra money. Then you could take your guests out on a tour guide through the city and you create a profile on Viable where you sell some extra seats to some other people. Since you're going around town anyway, you might as well get some extra people, meet some extra people, make some extra money. And then you can rent out some of your parking space separately. And then you're basically on four platforms. Yeah, and this is this is actually we have a specific term for this on the website. We call it platform stacking, which essentially means that um, you know all the work that you build that you that you do to build a profile on one platform, you can use on others, and uh, you can essentially double or triple your customer base uh, with minimal effort. So yeah, uh, Airbnb hosts are in a perfect situation to platform stack with uh, you know cooking uh, sites, uh, tour sites, parking sites, all that kind of stuff. Awesome. There's one platform that I wanted to mention. I don't know if you cover it, but have you heard of Flightcar? Uh, is that like a car sharing service? Yeah, it's a. It's basically like a car rental share. It's a car rental sharing platform for at the airport. So, if you go on holiday for a couple of weeks, instead of paying for your car to be parked at the airport you can get paid for parking your car at the airport. And because what happens is they will rent it out to people who are looking to rent a car. Oh, fantastic. Which is really awesome because, you know, you're on holiday, you're not using your car. Normally you have to pay for your car. It's either you either park it at the airport or you park it at a home, in which case you have to pay for taxis. And so instead of having to pay for the parking of your car when you come back, you actually get a paycheck. Yeah, that's it. And I love that one. I've, I've, I've heard of flight car, but the one uh, we hear most about is Turo. It's uh, uh, formerly it's uh, relay rides and it's a car sharing service based in the U S but they have a, an option called, uh, um, called uh, park, park and earn, uh, which sounds very similar to flight car um, where you go to one of the major U S airports and uh, you're gone for uh, anywhere from a week or more they'll manage your your car and rent it out while you're gone and they'll give you guaranteed income um, for essentially doing nothing and that is pretty awesome if you go on holiday and you're lying on the beach and knowing that you are making money <laughs> awesome Glenn that's some really uh, some really cool information I'm sure a lot of people uh, will be interested in it and will Check out those those car rental, those all those different types of sharing economy platforms. Now I know you also. I mean, there's hundreds of platforms, like you said, 
for those people who want to learn a little bit more and maybe want to check out a few more platforms, how can they find a good resource for that? Yeah, well, uh, obviously, I would suggest uh, checking out the site, the, the casualcapitalist.com. We have a number of free resources on there. Uh, for for beginners and and amateur sharing economy entrepreneurs, um, we ha we actually recently developed a, a personality quiz. So if you're new to the sharing economy uh, or want to figure out which other platforms other than Airbnb might be useful for you, you can answer this. Uh, it's a, about a 20 question quiz that takes five minutes, and based on your answers of your lifestyle, it'll give you platforms that that might be useful for you. So there's that on the site, um, um, and like I mentioned before, we've we've released two books, um, one in August and one just uh, two days ago, um, and they're they're called Secrets of the Sharing Economy, um, and they essentially detail all these different platforms uh, that you can use. And uh, um, right now, I'm I'm giving I'm giving both books away for free. Um, I really just want to bring these income strategies to as many people uh, as possible. Um, so for your listeners, I'll give both of our eBooks on the sharing economy for free if they just go to uh, the casualcapitalist.com slash pad, um, then they'll get, uh, get both uh, books uh, in, in PDF uh, in their email. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for that offer. I actually read the first, the first book and I thought it was an awesome resource. And I, I actually, I know a lot about the sharing economy. I know a lot of platforms, but there was definitely a, a whole bunch of platforms in there that I wasn't aware of. So I do recommend everybody go check that out at the casualcapitalist.com slash pad. That's slash P-A-D. So Glenn, uh, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for taking the time. And for the listeners out there, of course, thanks for listening. And next week we'll have another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. So we'll see you then. Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting. Featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. We are your hosts, Zeva Kapadia and Jasper Rivers. Get paid for your pet. 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 Get paid for your